The following program is being brought to you on the Voice America Business Channel. For more information about our network and to check our additional show hosts and topics of interest, please visit voiceamericabusiness.com. The Voice America Talk Radio Network is the worldwide leader in live Internet talk radio. Visit voiceamerica.com. The views and ideas expressed on the following program are strictly those of the host or guests and do not necessarily reflect the views and ideas held by the Voice America Talk Radio Network, its staff, and management. How is your work life going? Business, home, social? How about your health? Could you make some changes? Of course you could, but how and where to start? This is Turn the Page with Hemda Mizrahi. In this program, we'll help you identify and make the changes in your life that need to be made. And by doing so, increase your potential for success. And now, here's your host, Hemda Mizrahi. Welcome to Turn the Page. I'm Hemda Mizrahi. I'm particularly excited about this episode of Turn the Page because we're going to be focusing on a capability that all of us possess, that of transformation. It's this capability that creates presidents, Olympians, celebrities, and others who inspire us to work toward the unimaginable. Transformation is required for you to make use of your talents in ways that elevate both yourself and our world. I'd like to invite you to consider how this process plays out in your life. In which ways do you need to transform in order to make productive use of the opportunities that are available for you to express yourself? Through this conversation, we'll share insights and guidance that will support your efforts. I'm so fortunate to be joined by Michael Satilli, who both lives the story of transformation and shows people the how-to of transformation through his roles as a musical theater lyricist, composer, and director. It was clear that music was in Michael's blood when he was rocking to the sound of it in his crib. He's been a pianist since the age of three. Michael has collaborated on over 20 Broadway and off-Broadway productions and has written seven original musicals. He's now composing music and lyrics for a feature film, and a virtual reality experience of a modern day, A Christmas Carol. Michael's also creating and writing a new Broadway musical based on mental illness that will be hitting the stage in 2018. His work has been described by the New York Times as brilliant and positively transporting. He's been praised by the New York Post as highly original and an artist to watch. Michael, I'm so excited to finally welcome you to the show. I am so happy to be here. What an introduction. Thank you. (laughs) Well, it's such an exciting experience to have you be here and share some of your life story and also how that translates into what you're able to depict in these amazing productions that you create that help people to experience Mm. transformation in their lives. Yes. Yes. Well, I'm very happy to... uh, to be here, very grateful to you, and uh, I'm looking forward to you know sharing this, sharing my experience with you and your listeners. Thank you. I know that you've talked about one crucial aspect of transformation being living with obstacles and figuring out how to overcome them. Yes. I'd love to hear more about this as it relates to your own life and also the messages you offer your audiences. I know that 
you had these very early experiences, especially since you found music at such a young age. I did. Sure. Um, so, you know, like you said, I, I started playing piano when I was three years old. Um, my parents, they took me to this place called the Piano Barn and instinctively I knew how to play the song Raindrops Keep Falling on My Head with both hands. And I drew a crowd. I remember this at three years old. And that day, my folks bought me a piano and everything kind of changed. I fell in love with the instrument. And because of that, and because of my love, I actually excelled very quickly. And you know, by the time I was four or five, I mean, I was, I was really able to play. And entering elementary school, um, I guess that's around six, seven, I, I don't even know. Um, I would be, I went to a Catholic school uh, up to eighth grade. I would be constantly taken out of class to play piano for assemblies, um, sometimes a, a funeral, um, a special mass, and you know, I'd get like two bucks. And my peers were very jealous it seemed what would the kids say i mean you know i was different they would uh, well you know i mean they, they'd call me every name in the book starting with you know faggot a word which i did not know you know the meaning behind and it um it escalated from there i mean the more i got into my music and and my free expression of the music the more resentment seemed to take place around me. Um, and I didn't get it, but it became um, the norm. So, you know, every day for, for years, years and years, I mean, all through elementary school into high school, it even like transfer, transferred into high school, um, I was severely bullied. And, you know, I attest it because I was different. I was very creative. Um, so I was, you know, beaten up, thrown in lockers, palmated in the locker room. Um, we had one African-American boy named Richard uh, who was in my class. And he was the only, you know, black kid in the entire school. And we were made, you know, at least once a week to fight each other. I mean, really fight each other. Um, because if we didn't, we would both get it really badly. And we had a, a respect for each other, Richard and I, and we were friends. So, you know, we would fight each other and then hang out afterwards. And this is just, you know, just the struggle, the struggle, the struggle. And I didn't really get it. Michael, did you and Richard talk about it? Because it's really fascinating to hear you say that you were both put in this position where you experienced that actually you really needed to fight each other and yet you were friends. How do you do that and not get to a point where you become enemies, so to speak? You know, I think there was, I don't remember talking about it with him. I, I do remember having an understanding, like this unspoken understanding, because when it was over or actually before, like when we knew it was coming up, like at recess or after gym class, you know, because we would have been, you know, warned that today was going to be a fighting day. We'd kind of prepare and we'd hang and we'd do it and we'd punch hard. And when it was over, we'd check in with each other. We were always okay. Um, 
but it was difficult. It was very challenging, you know, and I would always prefer being a creative type and not being one, obviously, to hang with the boys because they were so cruel. I wanted to hang with the girls. They were fun. They were creative. You know, I liked Double Dutch. It was musical. It had a rhythm, you know, but I'm sure that did not uh, help me through the course of my days. It's very striking to listen to this experience and also as it relates to transformation and some of the messages that we can take away from it, that it seems as though you're describing at an early age that you were really had this strong connection with your own life force. And for each individual, when you think about transformation, we need to have that connection with our being, our life force, you know, who we are in essence, what we're able to do. And you discovered that there are tools that help us to express ourselves. And in your situation, it was music, it was the piano that you linked into, and then you were able to do great things with that at a young age. And it seems as though in a way you created a lot of distinction in who you were, and maybe that was quite advanced in the environment you were in. And I just wonder if that was a little bit hard for the kids around you because they they didn't weren't able to kind of link into that same element of distinction. Well, they weren't. They weren't able to link into that. And you know, I don't know why. Um, I don't know why I was connected and drawn to music. It was my meditation. It was my saving grace. You know, still is. You know, it's the one thing I can count on to get me completely out of my head. Um, all I know is it was part of my trip. It was part of my trip in my youth and continues to be part of my trip, gratefully so. Um, one thing I do know is at that time, you know, I was very aware that I, of these kids, of, of, of the, the bullies who were bullying me, of their pain. You know, as much as I didn't understand it, you know, I didn't, and I didn't understand them, I knew that they had to be experiencing a lot of pain in order to be doing what they were doing to me. And I wanted to, I liked them somewhat. Like, I wanted to be liked, and I wanted them to like me, and I would kind of go out of my way to be friendly with them. And sometimes I would get thrown a little bone, but I would always be aware of a little pain or a little discontent underneath, you know, their veil somewhat. And um, that was helpful to me on some level, despite how painful my days were. But that sounds like a very strong message to offer, especially considering that bullying is something that's a sore spot for a lot of people. Listening to this, and not just at a young age, at any age. Mm -hmm. And so the message that I'm getting is, in your case, which is extraordinarily impressive, that going through that at that age where we want to have acceptance and belonging, and sometimes we don't want to be different, that you allowed yourself to be different, and at the same time you were able to have a little bit of separation in how you saw the, the situation, and you had empathy, actual empathy. I did. With these kids who were giving you such a hard time. Yes. Such that you could still maintain your own sense of self and not judge yourself the way that they were judging you. Absolutely. I mean, I was going to do what I was going to do, period. I was just one of those people. And I was certainly not going to ignore anything that brought me such joy like music did. 
you know, and then singing, you know, like, like that did. My gosh, what feels better than being able to sing, you know? Um, so ignoring that was, was not a possibility. I was not going to go and, you know, try out for, you know, saw, you know, baseball team, you know, when I could be home practicing. Um, but there were repercussions and I honor them all, you know, looking back, it was the start of a path that has led me to where I am now and will, you know, bring me forward into the future. I mean, that was, that time was my foundation. And I started realizing that, you know, in later years, like, oh my gosh, what a, what a blessing, you know, to, to experience that as painful as it was, you know, um, I'm, I'm very grateful for that period in my life. Also during that time, I experienced like a lot of deaths. I, I grew up in a, in a large Italian family, you know, all my extended family, we all lived in the same town. My grandparents lived on the same streets on both sides and we were together a lot. And then there was like a period of three years where just people started dying. My grandparents, my aunts, my uncles, cousins. I mean, it was just weird. And being exposed to death also at a very young age, so much death, um, made me, one, less afraid of the death experience, as sad as it was, and it was, you know, beyond sad, but less afraid. And also, I would feel their energy around me, like a lot. I mean, I still do. So it made me a very aware of the spirit energy that um, has kind of helped me throughout my life. Uh, and I encourage anyone out there to kind of check it out. I believe that as soon as you put thoughts to a person who has passed, they're right there with you. And I have seen like physical signs, you know, and every once in a while I'm like, oh my God, maybe I'm, I'm, I'm like crazy here, but no, I, I, I feel it. I feel it in my heart. I feel my heart swell. Um, so that has been a, a real blessing. Looking at this theme then of living with and overcoming obstacles, you describe these situations where you had a very strong connection with your own voice because you found this vehicle to express your voice. And so you had this op- the obstacle of being bullied and wanting to be accepted mm-hmm. and the, the obstacle of these deaths. And those are places where I think a lot of us can get stuck. We experience death and it can hold us back from allowing ourselves to be transformed, allowing ourselves to express ourselves, this fear of being hurt. So I'm just wanting to know, we have just a few minutes left for this segment. Sure. What is your message around this? You know, it would have to be to not, my message is to really just kind of be present with what is surrounding you at the time. Just be aware of, of it all because you never know where one thing is going to lead to the next. And even the most painful of moments can transform into the most joyful because without that pain, you cannot know joy. And as a writer, you know, for me, it's kind of perfect because I'm able to tap into those, that emotional place because I experienced it. If I lived in fear of it and was constantly living in fear of it, 
I don't know what I'd be doing right now. I certainly couldn't be a writer. I certainly couldn't express myself in music, you know, or be a friend to anybody, truly, a truly present friend. So I think that the more you are aware of where you are, you have the opportunity to transform yourself. But it's only when you get to that place, when you see that moment and you seize that moment, you are not owned by anything, but never disregard whatever pain or struggle you go through because I do believe it has a place, it has a purpose, it has some meaning. And I bless them, I bless those times, I still do. Be present with your pain, be present with your struggle, be present with the emotions you're experiencing and have outlets to express yourself in ways that are productive and ways that actually help you to rise through the experience? Yes. Yes. Exactly. We need to go to a quick commercial. When we come back, Michael will talk about how suffering offers you the opportunity to gain clarity that you need in order to come out on the other side of the challenges that you face. Stay with us for more. Become our friend on Facebook. Post your thoughts about our shows and network on our timeline. Visit Facebook.com forward slash Voice America. Are you a business leader or owner who's ready for a lifestyle change? If conditions in your company's environment or marketplace are reducing your quality of life, now might be a good time to develop an exit strategy. Creating a transition plan enables you to pace your need for change while celebrating an enriching career. Ensure that you exit on a high note by enlisting the expertise of Hemda Mizrahi. Learn more at lifeandcareerchoices.com. If you are in the sales field or maybe don't even know that you are, you need a plan to be successful. Every day we are engaged in business and don't even realize that it all comes down to sales. We all have something to say and need to motivate others to the same way of thinking. Sales Execution Optimization, the new SEO, is the show that gets you thinking and speaking whatever the product or service. Host Bill Bush will give you the tips you need to succeed. Listen every Monday at 4 p.m. Eastern Time, 1 p.m. Pacific on Voice America Business. Are you a professional athlete, a retired athlete, or other top performer who's seeking a new career? Explore how to transfer your talents and mission into a rewarding business with the expert guidance of Hamda Mizrahi. As a performance coach and generalist consultant to entrepreneurs, Hemda will support you and your family in your next major professional transition. Create a winning game plan by contacting her through lifeandcareerchoices.com. That's lifeandcareerchoices.com. Have you friended us on Facebook yet? Why not? Just go to Facebook.com forward slash Voice America or search for the keywords Voice America. Once you are part of our Facebook network, you'll receive daily messages about what's happening with our shows, this week's featured guests, and new happenings at the Voice America Talk Radio Network. And you can add your voice to the always active discussions on our timeline. Just go to Facebook.com forward slash Voice America or search for Voice America.
You're listening to Turn the Page with Hemda Mizrahi. Got a question or comment for the show today? Please call in to 1-866-472-5790. That's 1-866-472-5790. Or send an email to hosthemda at gmail.com. Now, back to Turn the Page. We're back. I'm Hemda Mizrahi, joined in New York City by acclaimed musical theater lyricist, composer, and director Michael Satilli. We've been talking about the how-tos of transformation, such as living with and overcoming obstacles. Another important how-to that relates to obstacles has to do with your ability to gain clarity through suffering, such that you're able to come out on the other side of the challenges you face. Michael, talk to us more about this. Well, you know, I mean, without the challenges, you you can't define who you are. You, you, you don't know who you want to become. I mean, the challenges, at least for me, were the one thing that made me realize who I was and who I was not, and certainly who I wanted to become. Does that make sense? Give us an example. Okay, so, all right, can I share a story? Would love to hear a story. All right, so just a few years later, high school, all right, I was a musical theater kid, you know, fun, fun, had musical theater friends, was still bullied, but, you know, things were better. Um... My junior year of high school, there was a book in the library um, and an album of the musical Runaways by Elizabeth Suedos. It was groundbreaking to me. She created a, a musical where she went out to the parks of New York City, the, the runaway shelters, the settlement houses, and gathered about 30 runaway kids, got their stories, created this musical, and put them on Broadway to this, you know, multi-Tony nominee show, nominated show. And I'm like, oh my God, that's the kind of stuff I want to be a part of. It, that, that, that's transformation. Like these kids were in the gutters, you know, they were living in, in the subways and now they're, you know, making a Broadway salary and, and they're, they're transforming their lives. Not only is that the kind of theater or music I want to create, but that's, I want to do that. So... I found out that she was, Elizabeth Suedos was a professor at NYU. And I'm like, I want to work with her. I want to work with her. So I went to NYU and got into her class and she liked me. Um, And she put me in these shows. Like I was in my freshman year of of college. I was performing in, you know, on Broadway and off Broadway in some of the most, you know, prestigious theaters still in New York. And... I wanted to learn more. You know, I was a good singer. I played the piano. I could act. But I wanted to learn what made her do the kind of stuff that she did. Like, for me, it was like spiritual. She would take subjects, social, religious, spiritual, you know, and create musicals around them. So I called her up one day and I'm like, Liz, you know, I don't know if ever you need an assistant but if you ever want an assistant, please consider me. And she picked up the phone and she's like, Michael, yes, I, I do need an assistant. You know, come to so-and-so uh, on Monday and we'll start. 
So I handled the paperwork with NYU and I became her assistant and her musical director for seven years. And I learned a lot from her, but you don't escape your past necessarily if there's more to learn um, or unless you've really transformed yourself. So you don't need to repeat anything. So what happened, my mentor um, suffered from mental illness and I didn't know that, you know, I didn't know it when we were in rehearsal, she would never show that side of her. But when I became her assistant, the bullying that I thought I had escaped started all over again. And, you know, it was brutal, brutal. And I, um, lived in fear a lot. Um, you would think that, you know, being, being beat up every day in elementary school um, was a real low point. This was kind of nothing compared to what I was experiencing really for the first time with my mentor. Um, so on a daily basis, she would really just kind of beat me down. And at the same time, I was learning so much. So I was in this weird kind of flux with my life and I didn't want to quit. I didn't want to quit. Yes, yet I did want to quit like every day. But I stuck with it and I stuck with her. And I also, you know, like to this day, I like I have so much love for this woman. I have so much love for her and I know she loved me. Um, and when it was time to go, she wrote um, a, a musical for me of lyrics. She wrote a complete libretto called Save Your Life. And she said, listen, whenever you want to, I would love for you to write the music for it and tell our story. And I looked you know, I, I, I read this years later, I couldn't read it. I needed, you know, when I left, I just, I needed a break away. But years later I read it and I'm like, oh my God, you know, she was so aware of what was happening, you know, and, and the pain that she caused me. And there was this one song of lyrics, you know, and it might've been the title song, Save Your Life, where she was, she basically said, you know, I hope you will just, you know, learn from every experience that we share together. Not just the ones that are going to make you a better composer or a better lyricist, but everything. And, you know, fortunately I had, you know, um, because when it was time to go, my heart, my life was saying, if you don't leave now, you, you're screwed. You're screwed. Because I was just very kind of unhappy. On the flip side of that, during that period of time, I became a devout Buddhist to, <laughs> to kind of balance things out. And I was really devout. I'd be up at, you know, five in the morning, chanting at six, 6.30 for a couple hours. I needed something. I needed something. But I was, I was lost. Um, was in bad relationships, you know, I was just finding myself in these places that just made me so sad, so sad, while I was building the characters of what it meant to become an artist. 
but it was that time that as soon as I connected to that moment, and I remember that moment when I was like, Mm-mm, this is not the person I choose to become. I am not going down like this. I am more than my fear. I am more than my sadness. I, I am joy. I want to be joy all the time. I have something to give. And as soon as I just kind of connected with even those little simple thoughts, like right there, I want to be more joyous. I want to, I, I want to live in, in, in gratitude more, you know, and not feel like a victim. My life changed. And I want to say in an instant, because it did, everything switched in that moment when I kind of changed my thought. And I knew that I was on my way to transformation, even though I didn't know really what that word was, you know, but I would discover that later on that, you know, that was sort of the, the heart and soul and the beginning of my personal transformation. And without it, without it, I, I don't know who I would become, you know, who, who I would be at this point. Michael, I think your self-guidance is quite extraordinary. Well, thank you. When you take a, you talk about this story, it's a beautiful illustration that many of us in that situation might run the other way. And you mm-hmm. stuck it out for seven years? For seven years. And so, first of all, you're talking about really entering the fire, going into this abyss, mm-hmm. so to speak, experiencing the real lows, mm-hmm. and understanding that you needed to still be there while you were conflicted because you were learning and you put something in place, a measure in place to help you have support. Yes. Being in the practice of Buddhism. Yes. Throughout that time that you had at least some infrastructure set up so that while you were going through all those elements that you could still travel through the journey to the point where you could come out on the other side. So I think it's amazing that the title of the piece that she created for you is Save Your Life. Do you think that, it's amazing. that it was clear that when you, you, you repeated the phrase, it's, it was time to go, that the time to go was about understanding that you had kind of completed that journey and you reconnected with your joy, reconnected with your resonance with life, and that your departure was also about choosing life? Yes. Yes. I mean, she was spot on. I mean, she knew, you know, and, um, you know, the, the progression was a long one. It was a long time coming during that time. But yeah, that was, again, that was, that was really the beginning of my transformation. And she knew it and she knew she had to let me go. I mean, there was a song in there called, I don't think, you know, I forget the, the name of the song, but the, the hook phrase was, I don't think we'll talk much anymore. And she was right. And, you know, I would think of her, I mean, she recently passed this year. And I, I swear to you, I would think of her, if not every day, then every other day. And for the most part, always with a big, you know, heart full of love. For the most part. Every now and then I'd go to that, like, weird place. I'm like, oh, I'm so glad that's, you know, behind me. But, oh, my gosh, you know, such love and, and gratitude for all that she gave me even the difficult stuff. Michael, what advice can you give along those lines to help other people to connect with that gratitude, with the love 
and also the acceptance and appreciation for all of the learning experiences. How, how can we do that? You know, I think it's, I mean, as I get older, I'm finding that, that, that it, it's, it's sort of simple. I mean, you just need to accept yourself. You need to accept, you need to accept where you are at this moment, period. You know, even if it's a crummy place or it's a great place, you, you, you just, you have to accept it. And once you do that, then you can assess, you can see, okay, is this serving me? Is this, does this make me feel good? Does this make me grateful? And if it doesn't make you grateful, then I think you might need to relook at it, at least for me. Things that I'm not, when I catch myself in moments where I'm not really feeling gratitude, um, there, something's off, something's off. So it starts with accepting, period, wherever you are, wherever you are. And then being grateful for it all. And I do believe that, you know, the more you are grateful, the more things come into your life to be grateful for. You know, so, you know, I'm grateful that, you know, I have food in my refrigerator. I'm grateful that my electric is still on. I am grateful that this person is still in my life. I am grateful that the sun is shining today. I am grateful that I have clothes to wear. You know, I mean, little things that we sort of take for granted, but I do believe that the more you are aware of those things, the more you are mindful of what you have in your life, and you shed some gratitude and appreciation onto that, more of that comes into your life. And even in a larger way, an action, not even, no, and in a larger way. I'm grateful for, you know, my measly little, little bank account, you know, well, surprise, that bank account is now growing because I have been mindful to be appreciative of it because I am. Even when it feels fake, you know, even when it sometimes feels like fake, it becomes real. And there are tricks, you know, I listen to, you know, I put on YouTube and I listen to my affirmations every day. That's like my meditation, you know, even if it's background noise, you know, if I'm cleaning or, you know, making some food, you know, I, I, I just listen to that. I don't watch the news anymore. I don't read the paper. You know, I don't watch any movies or read books that are just, you know, negative. I don't need that fluff. You know, I know what's out there in the world and I don't want to follow that path at all. I just don't need it. You know, if there's something I need to know, it'll come to me. But other than that, mm -mm. so I try to just surround myself with as much positivity as possible and do things to toss the negativity away you know, as much as possible. Don't need the paper. Don't need to watch the news, like things like that. And I surround myself only with positive people. There's some friends I've had to let go, you know, and that's never easy. But, you know, if they're not um, supporting your life or bringing you forward or being mindful of the path that you're taking to, you know, transform your life, then, you know, sometimes you do need to say, see you later, at least for now. Maybe we'll catch up down the road. It sounds like you have this combination of being a proactive orchestrator in your life 
Hmm. You create this infrastructure where you're able to maintain your sense of self and your sense of positivity and your trust. So this this element of doing what you can and then also having a sense that there's a, there are cycles to everything in life. There are. And there's a completion cycle if you allow yourself to go to the paces and with, withhold judgment. Like you were talking about self-acceptance. So I could see how if you're in situations where things are really difficult and that if rather than say, what am I doing wrong? Am I screwing something up? You're actually putting your lens to what it is that is happening in that experience that's helping you to grow and develop. Yes. And you're, have, you're expanding the lens that you're using to see that. And then that kind of becomes a predominant part of the experience for you that allows you to go through the cycles of whatever it is that's going on. And then you're free to orchestrate your life. You know, you are free to create your life. When you become in tune with where you are, all of a sudden you now have the ability to orchestrate your life and, and, and dictate where you're going. That's a perfect lead into our last segment. So we're going to go to a brief commercial. When we return, Michael will talk more specifically about the process of finding and expressing your voice. Stay with us. Become our friend on Facebook. Post your thoughts about our shows and network on our timeline. Visit Facebook.com forward slash Voice America. Are you a business leader or owner who's ready for a lifestyle change? If conditions in your company's environment or marketplace are reducing your quality of life, now might be a good time to develop an exit strategy. Creating a transition plan enables you to pace your need for change while celebrating an enriching career. Ensure that you exit on a high note by enlisting the expertise of Hemda Mizrahi. Learn more at lifeandcareerchoices.com. There are two types of leaders in business. Those who are nice, compassionate people. And frankly, they are the people who fail to get a lot done. Then there are those who can get everything done and so much more. But they are greedy, unethical, and self-centered. The Compassionate Samurai Business Hour with Kathy Fairbanks finds a way to use the best of both types of leaders to help you create a dynamic roadmap to success. Tune in every Thursday at 1 p.m. Pacific Time, 4 p.m. Eastern, on Voice America Business. Are you a professional athlete, a retired athlete, or other top performer who's seeking a new career? Explore how to transfer your talents and mission into a rewarding business with the expert guidance of Hemda Mizrahi. As a performance coach and generalist consultant to entrepreneurs, Hemda will support you and your family in your next major professional transition. Create a winning game plan by contacting her through lifeandcareerchoices.com. That's lifeandcareerchoices.com. Have you friended us on Facebook yet? Why not? Just go to Facebook.com forward slash Voice America or search for the keywords Voice America. Once you are part of our Facebook network, you'll receive daily messages about what's happening with our shows, this week's featured guests, and new happenings at the Voice America Talk Radio Network. And you can add your voice to the always active discussions on our timeline. Just go to Facebook.com forward slash Voice America or search for Voice America.
are listening to Turn the Page with Hemda Mizrahi. Got a question or comment for the show today? Please call in to 1-866-472-5790. That's 1-866-472-5790. Or send an email to hosthemda at gmail.com. Now, back to Turn the Page. Welcome back. I'm Hemda Mizrahi, joined by musical theater lyricist, composer, and director Michael Satilli. Michael talked about how obstacles follow us to the very stages of our lives and offer the chance for you to gain the clarity you need for transformation. In this final segment, we'll look at transformation from the lens of what it takes to find and express your voice on a continuum throughout your life. Well, Michael, what guidance can you share about self-discovery and what were some of the pivotal experiences in your life through which you connected with and expressed your voice? Okay, good question. Um, So where we left off, when I left my mentor and I started and I knew I needed to find my voice and it was time to live a life of joy and um, a much more clear place than where I had been. Um, I was on the path of being a writer. I mean, I didn't, I, I was never a writer. I was a musician. I was a singer. I was an actor. But with my experiences, with my mentor, I knew that I had things to say. I didn't know what, but I knew I, 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 had, a thing, I had things to say. And theater seemed the most obvious choice. I loved it. Never wrote a lyric in my life. Could always write a melody. Um, so I started playing around, just writing some music and lyrics, expressing where I've been, you know, expressing some of the, some of the, the, the dramas of my past and shedding light onto them. And some of those songs would have, I, I discovered that my writing, I would throw in the obstacles. Let's, you know, the, the fears, the, the angst. And then there would be another voice that would, I don't want to say counter it, but it was almost like a, a spiritual voice offering another um, perspective, a higher perspective. And I'm like, oh, well, that's an interesting way to write. And I liked it. And it worked with my Libra sensibility because there was like a little bit of a balance there. You know, I'd throw in the dark and then counter it with light. And it became very spiritual for me. And I'm like, I like how I can tell a story this way. So right after I I left my mentor and decided to embark on a life of being a writer, within days... I answered an ad in, you know, a, in a, a, a publication called Backstage Magazine. And the ad said, seeking composer for off-Broadway musical. And I'm like, well, this is a little odd. Like, they don't have the composer, and yet they have an off-Broadway musical. And they already have the date set and blah, blah, blah. And, but their composer, like, just up and left. And the theater was booked, and it was a show about teenagers in a boarding school in the Berkshires and it it was a it it catered to troubled teens and I'm like oh okay so teens that have been abused teens that have had certain addictions teens that were suicidal lots of theatrical elements and right on my alley I mean, my mentor did runaways. That's what kind of turned me on to her in the first place. Here I had, you know, I'm like going for this job 
And anyway, after 300 interviews, I was the last one, but I got the gig. And this is like just weeks after I made the choice to leave. So the universe was responding to the call of my heart, you know, my, my, my wish, you know, and this was a musical where I could have something to say. I had my own experience. I was bullied. I was, there was a lot of my own self that I could bring into this. So I did this show. I went to the Berkshires. I worked with these kids one-on-one for three months and it was brilliant and beautiful. And the show did really well. I mean, like surprisingly, it did really, really well. And it ran for like six months in New York and moved to LA and blah, blah, blah. What was it called, Michael? That was called inappropriate. Inappropriate, like inappropriate behavior. And I loved that experience so much that I found as time went on, and I wasn't aware of this, mind you. I mean, looking back now, you know, maybe a few years ago, I I became aware of this. But every show that I've written is all, are, are all about characters or people who transform their lives. Like these teenagers are on the road to transformation by the end of the show, because that's who they were as people. And, you know, I, written a rock opera based on Joan of Arc, you know, there's a transformation of this girl. I've written another show about teenagers, also about transformation. I'm doing a Christmas Carol right now. It's a modern day telling where we get into the the psyche, the head of Ebenezer Scrooge, and it's about his transformation. I'm doing a show about mental illness. That's also about transformation. I'm like, oh my God, there's a pattern here. There's a pattern here. And what a, what a beautiful one. Michael, it sounds like night turning into day. It's like darkness into light. All of these personal experiences that you had, being bullied, having these experiences really helped you to connect emotionally to what it is that you're portraying, this whole process of transformation, that you're not negating darkness, you're not over-focusing on light, And that's kind of where I think there's a polarization that can happen with people that sometimes if you're, you hold too tight to the light and you kind of ignore the darkness where some people like to immerse themselves in dark things and don't really like the light to come in. You're talking about actually in the process of transformation, you really need to have this interplay, this dance that happens between darkness and light that the two naturally in our world need to coexist. And darkness can very naturally, like in nature, transform into the light if you step into it. Yes. Yes. The darkness is just as spiritual um, as the light. And, and that's what I discovered. I mean, yes, it was an emotional journey, but it was, it's, it's also been a, a very spiritual one because of that, you know, because of the darkness. I bless the darkness in my life. You know, I'm grateful, you know, that so much of that is behind me. Don't get me wrong. But I also feel that it is because of the seeds I'm planting now that really don't enable a lot of darkness to come into my life. Not saying it won't, you know, come back, you know, you never know what the next moment is going to bring. But I, I have the 
the mindfulness and the experience, the experience to know that, you know, what I put out there as I walk my walk, I'm going to get back. And I'm not putting out any darkness anymore. I'm not living in fear anymore. You know, um, every morning when I wake up, I, I make an intention for my day, you know, and I, I recommend anyone who's listening to, to just try this. Like, intend your day. Like, for me, I am going to have the most awesome day today or something magnificent is going to happen to me today. And then just live in that. Let it go and live in it. And I swear to see what happens. See if the norm of your daily life shifts. And then you can go further with it. You can go further. They're, they're just games you play. And for me, right now, I mean, my shows all contain a lot of elements of darkness. Um, some critics have even said, wow, that was like really, really dark. When I actually don't really see it that way. But if you can honor your darkness and trust that you are not owned by it, everything opens up. Everything opens up. It makes sense because if you're over-relating with darkness and you're using it like a safety blanket, it doesn't serve you as well. No. No. no nothing serves you well that you use as a safety blanket. You know, food, I mean, anything, anything. And, you know, some people do. They like to stay in darkness. It's, it's the one thing they can relate on and count on. You know, and... You know, so be it. For me, I had enough. And I knew my heart, I, you know, I knew, you know, through the deaths, through spirit around me, through Buddhism, through meeting joyous people, you know, that there was, that there's more. You know, I want some of that, you know? And, you know, why can't I have that? Of course you can. You can have whatever it is you want. You just got to be clear about it. What do you want? Who do you want to become? You just have to know. And then put it out there. Put it out there. What you put out comes back. I, I, I so believe that. That's like intending your day. It's planting a seed. Planting a seed for your life. Planting a seed for your day. Planting a seed for your future. What seeds are you planting? You planting the same stuff? If you are, well, of course, you're getting back the dark days. You're getting back the same relationships. You're getting back, you know, the same, you know, financial bank account every month, you know, or, or balance until you decide to shift that balance, so to speak, financial, romantically, joy from fear, until you can shift that with clarity, you will probably not be able to find yourself in a different place. It's just being mindful. I mean, it's so difficult, it seems, and I don't know why. In our culture, it's so difficult to be mindful of where you are and who you are, because it's only then can you shift and become something new, whatever it is, whatever it is. And if you don't like it, you could always make another choice. You know, for me, I'm pretty clear. It seems also that it's hard to be on the pulse of understanding, noting when you're cycling out of an experience like you did when you don't have mindfulness. 
that when you're paying attention to yourself, you're going within, you're making a choice about the kind of life you want, you're setting up the supports that you need to have that life. And when naturally difficult experiences come your way, you're able to engage those experiences for your growth and your development rather than getting stuck. Yes. All by having that regular practice yes. of being aware of what you're actively contributing to in your life. Mm-hmm. Yeah. You know, what are you doing to move forward? What are you doing to like yourself more? What are you doing that makes you feel good? You know, those are questions I ask myself. Um, less so now because I just am now naturally kind of doing stuff that only makes me feel good, you know, because nothing else seems to, I don't want to be in that place anymore because believe me, if I went there, that's exactly what I'd get, you know, and going back to the full circle, I mean, I look at my life and with like all those experiences have not only made me what I believe is to be a, a more enriched and more mindful human being on this planet, but it has also transformed my work in a way where without those experiences, I would not be the writer that I am right now. I would not be able to write these like, you know, subjects that are controversial, you know, stuff that people actually don't ever want to talk about, but because I'm a musical theater writer, all of a sudden, a conversation can begin because I've taken a difficult subject based on truth and added a melody to it. All of a sudden, it's music. All of a sudden, it ain't so scary, you know? Michael, it's like an airlift. It's like an airlift. So you can, in, you can invite people if you want to go further into this experience of transformation and learning from Michael's stories is come to your productions, Michael, and know that you're going to experience real issues. You're going to experience darkness. (laughs) And you'll travel through that and somehow you'll be lifted by this melody and you'll find yourself in a place of transformation. Indeed. At the end. Indeed. So we're at our wrap-up point. And I want to just thank you so wholeheartedly. You described this with so much humility. And just to be able to capture something that's confounding for many of us in these illustrations that you were able to demonstrate time and time again in these different stages of your life from youth, how you were able to embrace all of the experiences of your life and to have love and gratitude also toward the people and empathy toward the people who uh, gave, gave you a run for your money in many ways and stay connected with yourself. Yes, absolutely. Absolutely. I feel um, so enriched because of, because of it all. And I am. I'm so grateful. Thank you for these tremendous gifts. Thank you. Thank you so much. I'd like to encourage you to learn more about Michael and follow his work. And you can do that by going to his website, michaelsatilli.com and that's Michael M-I-C-H-A-E-L Satilli is S-O-T-T-I-L-E 
If you have comments or unanswered questions about today's episode, I welcome you to share them by emailing me at hosthemda at gmail.com. You can also share your comments and questions by following me on Twitter at Hemda Mizrahi and liking us on Facebook at Turn the Page Radio. Until next week, remember to make the grass greener where you are. I'm Hemda Mizrahi, inviting you to turn the page. Thank you for tuning in to our program. Turn the Page can be heard live every Friday at 6 a.m. Pacific Time, 9 a.m. Eastern Time on the Voice America Business Channel. Until next week's show, enjoy your weekend and make one change in your life before then. Thanks again for listening to the preceding program brought to you on the Voice America Business Channel. For more information about our network and to check out additional show hosts and topics of interest, please visit voiceamericabusiness.com. The Voice America Talk Radio Network is the worldwide leader in live Internet talk radio. Visit voiceamerica.com. The views and ideas expressed on the preceding program are strictly those of the host or guests and do not necessarily reflect the views and ideas held by the Voice America Talk Radio Network, its staff, and management.